0: looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained just tell your smart speaker to play vision kids radio vision kids problem solved audio on demand from vision christian media Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdeli, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
1: It's the beginning of the New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Life. Friends, we continue to have an introduction to the glorious Gospel of Matthew. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Yes, we continue to introduce the Gospel of Matthew. It is with an emphasis on not only Jesus as the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of David, the soon-coming King, but we actually use this as an adjective. He's not just the Messiah, he's the kingly Messiah. He acts like a king. He has authority like a king. He commands respect like a king. He is fit to rule. You know, it's interesting. They ask candidates for the presidency of the U.S., will you be presidential in conduct and word? Like, that's really a big issue. Well, let me put it this way. There is also, will the king... Act every bit as a king. Well, this particular king will do even more than act like every bit, because he will be, and already is and always will be, anointed, authoritative, absolutely holy, pristine, pure, in character and conduct, and he will rule in righteousness. There will be no corruption, no royal commissions, no criminal investigations, No secret deals under the table, not with this king. This king is going to stop the rot and bring in a kingdom where righteousness finds its true home. So we are continuing to have an introduction to Matthew before we commence the verse-by-verse commentary. We're going to learn things like the parables, the fulfilled prophecy, the genealogy of Jesus, his discourse on the last days as well as his numerous miracles. We're going to learn a lot. So, basically, the Gospel of Matthew is building the case that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel and King of the world. And we even finished off the last lesson with portraits of Christ, that he's called Jesus, Emmanuel, King of the Jews, Governor, Nazarene, the Son of God, Master, Physician, the Bridegroom, the friend of sinners, the beloved, and the sower of seed. We will now continue this introduction. We call it part two, so that we can lay a foundation to learning this great gospel, applying it to our lives, and basically living victoriously in these uncertain days. So part two of this introduction. When was the gospel of Matthew written? Well, we don't have an exact date. Some have put it as an early date. Some have put it as late as the middle of the second century AD. Well, we don't believe that, because if it was the second century AD, that means Matthew didn't write it. That means somebody else wrote it and used Matthew's name. Well, that would be forgery, to say the least. And some would call it a pious forgery, like they did it for the right reasons. Friends, there's no such thing as pious forgery. I mean, we deal with truth, God's truth, which is the only truth that lasts forever. So I want to propose to you, from what I have picked up, that the dates of the timing of the Gospel of Matthew, as early as the year 40 A.D., as late as the year 65 A.D., so we'll give them a 25-year range. This is especially because the Olivet Discourse, we call it Olivet O-L-I-V-E-T, because it was given on the Mount of Olives, overlooking Jerusalem. I tell you, that would be a dramatic backdrop for a Bible prophecy lesson. Mount of Olives, city of Jerusalem, and Jesus is talking about the cataclysmic days preceding his second coming. It could be very unlikely that Jesus is giving this Olivet Discourse, or shall we say that Matthew is writing about this discourse, which he personally would have witnessed being one of the 12 apostles of Jesus if it was written after the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. If, as is thought, that Matthew's Gospel relies heavily on Mark, then this early date is much more likely. So let's take it at face value. That Matthew wrote about events that happened shortly afterward, and he had to do so with an early date. Now, there are some distinctive features we're going to discover in the Gospel of Matthew, so stay tuned. Distinctive features of the Gospel of Matthew, they include things like, in Matthew's Gospel, there's something like 29 Old Testament quotes, That's a lot, considering there's only 28 chapters. And there's an additional 39 references to the Old Testament. Why is he relying on the Old Testament? Because the Gospel of Matthew was seeking to persuade the Jewish people of the Messiahship and divinity of Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, there are 13 times where the statement is made that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Again, building a case by tying in the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus with that which was prophesied centuries before by the Hebrew prophets. And I love the phrase, the Hebrew prophets had an accuracy rate of 100%. Distinctive features of Matthew include the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, which is listed in three groups. The links to Abraham and David are made clear so as to prove Jesus is the promised Messiah. Because remember, the first verse of Matthew names David and Abraham. And then quickly following on from that is the genealogy, linking Jesus biologically, genetically, ancestrally to both Abraham and David. As you may know, there are two genealogies Of Jesus in the New Testament. One is here in Matthew chapter 1 and the other one is in Luke chapter 3. They are different in the names that are listed because we believe they're approaching the genealogy, one from the father's side, the earthly father, Joseph. Really, he's more like a stepfather or foster father, not the biological father. And the other we think, is from Mary's lineage, although her name is not explicitly mentioned in Luke 3. In any case, these are written to build the case of who Jesus really is. Distinctive of Matthew continues, there are famous sermons, especially the Sermon on the Mount, parables of the kingdom, references to the kingdom of heaven. Then there's his Discourse on the Second Coming, which is also called the Olivet Discourse, Why? Because it was given on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem and the temple precincts. And then there's some interesting things like the flight to Egypt or a very curious incident after Jesus rose from the dead where dead people were raised, holy ones, in Jerusalem. They got up out of their graves and they appeared to many. Nowhere else do we read this except in Matthew's Gospels. And, of course, there's... The other things, like the two demoniacs and the two blind men that were healed, and so on. Matthew seems to have a thing for doubles, so we need to remember that too. But yes, there are some amazing distinctives in Matthew's Gospel, and we're glad to be learning them. Then, what about the background to the, not only the Gospel of Matthew, but the fact is it's the beginning of the New Testament. All right, well, we're going to approach this in a very thorough way. First of all, the Gospel of Matthew is the beginning of what we call the New Testament, or in Greek, Hekaini Diatheka. heikaini Diatheka, which means New Testament or New Covenant. And the Old Testament is also a Diatheka. It's Hagia, or Old Covenant, comes from the Hebrew word Breit. Breit. B-E-R-I-T-H. Breit. A binding agreement between two parties, ratified by a sacrifice, promising great blessing if the covenant is kept. The Apostle Paul seems to believe there are two covenants. Read Galatians 4, verse 24. It is the covenant, the last will and testament of the testator namely Jesus, whose blood initiates the new covenant. And I might add, the new covenant is first promised in, where? Jeremiah chapter 31. God is going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it's a covenant that initially was made to Israel, and it's still initially made to Israel, but the effects of it spill over to the whole world. It's not strictly only for Israel. Israel, in this sense, is like the first pin in the bowling alley. It touches Israel, and then it spreads to the other pins, or better put, it spreads to the whole world. He's not just the God of the Jew. He is the God of the Gentiles, also, as Paul affirms in Romans. Now, the New Testament is, of course, the New Covenant, but the New Testament is known also as an anthology of related books written in Greek. It's called Koine Greek. Koine Greek is the language of the New Testament. The New Testament Koine Greek telling, as it were, the international story of Jesus in the international language, Greek, about the practical Christian living, and highlighting things to come. So again, the New Testament tells the gospel of Jesus, practical Christian living, highlighting things to come. The New Testament does not replace the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament. It is the foundation where the New Testament is built. But we need the New Testament to also interpret and understand the Old. We need them both. They are an integrated unit. You can't have one without the other. And so it doesn't replace the Old Testament. It is the sequel to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament and New Testament working together, we're learning about God's work of atonement and reconciliation between himself and humanity through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful gospel. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 9.15, remember his words at the Last Supper when he said, take this cup and drink of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Covenants are initiated by a sacrifice, usually of animals, but for the new covenant was the sacrifice of Jesus, the pure sinless Son of God shedding his blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What else do we learn? The gospel is also known as evangelion, or evangelion from the Hebrew Eve, which means good, and angelion means message. Good message, or we say, good news and glad tidings. That's the evang- evangelical or evangelion. And, of course, this is where we get the adjective evangelical, or noun, evangelical Christian Christian. A Christian that believes that the Bible is the word of God, it's the highest source of faith and practice, there is an imperative of sharing the gospel around the block or around the world. And this good news is given that God, unilaterally, of his own initiative, brought reconciliation between himself and humanity through Jesus Christ, Lord of all, who tasted death for every person. His death was given for our offenses, and his resurrection from the dead was done for our justification. Remember that justification is that miraculous work of God where we're not only declared innocent of sin because the penalty has been paid, but God even goes further. Justification means we are declared righteous before God. Because the righteousness of Christ has been downloaded into our hearts. It's not our righteousness now in us. It's no longer we who live, but it's Christ's righteousness and Christ himself who lives in us. Praise the Lord for that. So, God justifies us. Those who believe this good news, this evangelion, these glad tidings, will have forgiveness of sin, find mercy before God, the righteous one, receive the free gift of eternal life, and they will dwell in God's house, God's kingdom, God's holy city forever and ever. This priceless gospel is freely given. Hallelujah. All right. There are other New Testament phrases for describing the gospel. These include things, and this is throughout the New Testament, not just Matthew. It's called the gospel of God concerning his son. Romans 1, chapter 1 and two. or actually Romans chapter one, verses one and three. There's also the phrase "The Gospel of the Son of God." Romans chapter one, verse nine. There's the gospel of the kingdom of God." Matthew 4:23 and 9:35. Then there's the simple phrase, "the gospel." Mark 13:10. There is called the word or doctrine of the gospel. Acts fifteen, seven. And of interest, that word for word and doctrine is logos, L O G O S. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Apparently the Greek word is logos. That's God's word eternally written. It's unchangeable, immutable. And then there's the gospel of peace, Ephesians six, fifteen. The gospel of glory. First Timothy one eleven, And lest we forget, it's called the Gospel of Salvation. And then we have the Gospel through Christ told through four Gospel narratives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As we learned earlier, the author of this Gospel of Matthew is a man called Matthew Levi, son of Alphaeus, a tax collector from Capernaum on the northern shore of the Lake of Galilee, who positively responded to the call of Jesus to follow him. When he entertained the Lord in his house, there was a variety of people, not necessarily very savory, like tax collectors and sinners, who were considerably rejected by the religious elite of the day, but they were wonderfully accepted by the pristine, pure Son of God. There has been debate on whether the Gospel of Matthew was originally written in Hebrew or Aramaic, or was it originally written in Greek. As I once mentioned, there is a large use of Hebrew idioms, and Aramaic and Hebrew are very much related. And when you translate these Hebrew idioms or figures of speech into Greek, it uh, doesn't have the same punch. So, scholars believe that the original gospel was either Hebrew or Aramaic, but the current Greek text that we now have was probably published very, very quickly thereafter, because it was deemed expedient that even though the Gospel of Matthew was written initially for Jewish people, it wasn't meant exclusively for Jewish people. When you read chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, it's clear that this same gospel is also intended for the entire world. And for the entire world to have access to the written gospel, it had to be in the international language of the world, which is, of course, at that time, Greek. One Bible scholar said, and I can never forget this, God used four languages to preserve his word throughout all of church history. Four languages. Hebrew, of course, the language of the Old Testament. Greek, the language of the New Testament, and eventually the whole word of God was in Greek, Old and New Testament, thanks to the Septuagint. He used Latin, and there's a famous translation of the Bible called the Vulgate. The Vulgate, or Latin translation of Scripture, was the Bible for the church for over 1,000 years. And then the last language he's used to preserve his word is English, and that the English Bible has had an enormous contribution, especially the authorized version, over four centuries. And it still has a role to play till now. It is amazingly a bestseller, the Bible. And this particular version is probably the one read by more Christians, at least in the U.S., according to one survey, than any other. So that four languages God has used to preserve his word, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and English. Very inspiring. So this is the gospel. And there's more to learn. In Matthew, the case is built that Jesus of Nazareth is the long-awaited kingly Messiah for Israel and the world. Well, you know, there's even more to this introduction, both to Matthew and the New Testament. And we'll look at these things in our next program before we begin the verse-by-verse commentary. Look forward to your company. But remember to visit our website at tan.tan.org.au, and please subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter. We want to give you very much value-added content to help you to become future ready, and we do so with articles from the Bible, Victorious Living, current events in the light of God's Word, and some other contributors who have something worth reading. Also, please visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Gospel of Matthew. Give us background so it will make more sense, that it will be clearer, it will be more desirable, more digestible, more practical, and more applicable. Thank you for what we have learned and what we're going to learn through Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.